I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. If you would like to see this episode along with other exclusive content, make sure you become a patron by going to our box number 512 podcast Patreon page where you can become a patron for as little as $5 a month. The link to the page is in the show notes for this show. So make sure you go on over there if you would like to see the episode in addition to listening to it. All right, y'all. Back to the show. Welcome to part two of this episode from Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. I am your co-host, Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. So, sis, <laughs> let's get into our last two topics. Do you want to talk about Tyler first, or do you want to talk about the, the anti-transness on these Black web reality shows first? I want to start with Tyler, because I don't want to end on Tyler. Well, you watched the video, so I think you will be able... I'm going to be honest, I saw the headline of the video and I was able to put two and two together and I was very much, I can't watch this. Like, I started crying. I, I started crying, bitch, and I didn't even need to watch the video because I could just, yeah, I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even watch the video and I was begging people like, please stop sharing this video, Miss Thing, because it's so... It's so triggering because we have all been that little boy, bitch. We've all been that little boy. Can I tell you this? I saw the video (coughs) on accident. And I love that you said stop sharing it because people don't realize in their efforts are sometimes alert. You're perpetuating. You can actually perpetuate trauma on people that that is a real lived experience because Somebody put up something like, man, this shit make me want to cry. I can't believe this shit. Da, 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 da. And so then people were responding. So it was like one of those vague sub subtweet kind of thing where somebody put up something really vague about how they were upset. And then all of their friends were like, girl, you all right? What's going on? Girl, what's going on? You know, da, 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 da. And then there was just a video. So I didn't have the luxury of having like a headline or you know, anything that said, this is a boy getting beat up. I just scrolled in the thread real fast. and was like, oh, girl, what's she talking about? And maybe that's my fault for trying to catch the tea. But bitch, I was like, oh, what's she talking about? And I scrolled and I saw a video and I clicked on it. So I didn't even have that warning that Brianna had by knowing what the fuck I was clicking. So bitch, I clicked this video and there's this little boy in a red shirt and his hair. First thing I noticed, his hair. I'm like, what's going on with his hair? So his hairline was cut. All this was cut off. And it was like the Jefferson haircut. And he's like looking down, his lips poked out. And he just looks so sad. And then you see in the video, there's like a man standing next to him, kind of like to his left. And then there's a couple of men around him this way. So you can see him in the camera, but you see the men on this side and like this man kind of right here. And there's someone where the camera is and you hear a woman's voice. Very quickly, I'm able to pick up the woman and the man alone on this side of him are his mom and dad. I don't know who these people are, but the dad is like, ain't no son of mine. We're going to do that in this house. 
ain't nobody no son of mine gonna be no faggot. And he's using those words, all of the toxic language, all of that. And as he's saying it, he began, he slapped the boy. And I'm so jarred by it. I'm like, oh, it, it took my breath away. I was like, oh, he hit him on camera. Oh my God. And then the mom was like, yeah, yeah. And you hear her egging him on. And I think there maybe is a total of four hits in the video, each progressively harder because they're saying, say it again, say it again. And the little boy goes, I'm gay. And they hit him again. And, and they're trying, and it was the most, traumatizing thing that I've seen in a very long time because I resonate so much with that experience. And, you know, Father's Day just passed and everything is great with my family now. And I hate to be the girl that's, that, that's, that's painting a narrative that people can't evolve or whatever, but I could relate to being that little boy in that moment. And all you want to do is fucking live and these people are trying to beat something out of you that you didn't, you can't even control about yourself. And the fact that he, his family, his mama, his daddy, the people around him were thought that this abuse would change him. They thought that this abuse would break him, really. Because that's what they were trying to do. Break that willpower that made him defiantly say, I'm gay. Shout out to Ty. Because I didn't have that courage. I was getting beat like that and didn't have the audacity to say that. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have that. I didn't have that in me. But these kids nowadays have an awareness and, a, and the confidence in their awareness that even in the face of mortal danger, they can speak their truth. And him having the words to speak it truth, because I don't know if I had the words at that age, because the child appears to be six or seven or somewhere in there, like early elementary school. I didn't have the language or the confidence to be able to, to, to be able to do that, but I don't know if I would have. So that's why I said shout out to Tyler because that is powerful. But I want parents to know you never get over it. You never get over it. I can love you. You can be cool. We can have all the apologies happen in the world, but when the people that brought you in this world. The one place in your life you're told you're supposed to be able to be safe is at your home. And when your home is just as violent and hateful and evil as the streets, when you go in the streets and get called a faggot and come home and your daddy do it too, it never hits the same after that. It never does. And I know that Tyler will need years of therapy because I've been Tyler. I know that Tyler will need a, a wonderful extended family people that will love him regardless because those people are trash and they don't deserve that child. And I hope that he, and I, and I, and I hope that someone that is listening or someone that may be in a situation where you have been around a child and you see that kind of abuse happening, you fucking report it. Because what was interesting also was these people that were just kind of bystanders observing, almost almost creating an intimidating environment for this young man to feel humiliated because they also felt like they wanted to be a part of this moment. Fuck all them grown-ups. But if you are a grown-up listening to this phone call, particularly if you are a cis-pet person, 
I encourage you to use your privilege in moments like that to beat a motherfucker ass if you have to. Because there are times where I wish that there was a grown up or somebody around me, and that's just not, not necessarily my direct family even. There are times where I've been in public and I have been going through things as a child. And there were grown men that allowed me to get physically abused and beat up and get my face punched in because they wanted the faggot to get a lesson too. And I were times where I was abused and went and told people with bloody lips. And they told me, stop toughing the fuck up. Why you, why you always telling on somebody, stop snitching. Stop, stop, stop trying to, stop trying to, that's why you got beat up now. I've been told that. I was the child that got beat up and then got beat up for getting beat up. And I want y'all to know that you never get over that shit. And I want to pray and I want to lift, lift up Tyler now and all the children out there now that are still having to go through this toxic shit perpetuated by our people. Another point in this before I give it to you, Brianna, is Black people, we have to stop enacting the, the, that, that slave, I'm going to beat you to, into submission mentality out of raising our children. We have to take that out of raising our children because a lot of y'all are not even aware of the generational evil that of uh, corporal punishment and how we use it to humiliate our children. We use it to break our children. We actually think that beatings are important to break a child. And that's a part of our culture. And we have to erase that because we are constantly passing that shit down over and over again. And when I see parents on the thread say things like, well, they being parents, they being loving parents. You got to love on you. This is what parenting is about. It's making them, it's teaching them how to grow. That's not teaching. That's breaking somebody. That's destroying their will, not to be different, not to be who they are. That's destroying their will to live. I can't tell you how horrible it felt for me to want to die and to be miserable when I lived to see 21. I was hoping to die in high school. I was praying to God somebody would just kill me or I would get hit by a car or I was cancer or anything to take me out of the hell that I was raised in and the hell that I was living in and the area that I was in. I was praying for death and it never came. And I did so much so that I didn't even have a plan for what the fuck I was gonna do I, at 21. I, I cried at my 21st birthday, angry that I was still here. Cause that's how hard my childhood was because I grew up in an environment where a community of black people saw this queer kid and said, we gonna beat it out of her. What are your thoughts, sis? Damn, bitch. <sighs> Um, it, th this is heavy, bitch. Th this is heavy because even in the pictures from that video, even though he was being strong and still being himself, I could still feel the loneliness. Like I could just, I, I felt it and I identified it in myself being that way and like being bullied by older cousins in the family, them trying to tough you up and be like, so bitch, I, I felt that. Um, so because, because we're organized on social media, um, they were able to report the case to the authorities and he was removed from the house, which, um, thank God. But I, I, I think this is, 
I think this is a complicated situation because although he's removed from the house and he's removed from the environment, you know, we all know how traumatic foster care can be, especially foster care if you're a Black child and you're a Black and queer child. So, I'm, you know, no matter where Tyler is, I'm just going to be concerned for Tyler's safety, no matter where he is. Um, and also, something that I've been thinking about, while the parents and the unit and the community um, should be held accountable, and I want them to be held accountable because in that moment, you failed your child and everybody can see. And that moment, y'all just video recording it, thinking, I, and I don't know why you did it. That wanted the value is, signal to their, they wanted the value signal to other black people. We don't tolerate this shit around here. But the, but the thing right. is, it's going to live on the internet forever. So no matter how far you get past it, that's going to be in the atmosphere forever. Um, it makes me think, like, what does restorative justice look like for a family? Because shout out to Hope Giselle. Hope um, did a lot of organizing around this particular situation. And she had a live over the weekend where she had um, Devin Barrington Ward come on. And he's been doing a lot of work with Tyler and the family. Um, and he said that clearly the family is in poverty. Um, so when he went over there, they're all, like, Tyler is one of many siblings that lives in a, a one-bedroom apartment. Oh, and wow. they're in poverty. And, you know, they've been failed by many systems. And it just makes me think, like, what does... And Tyler, though he's being abused, um, his fear is he didn't want to be separated from his siblings because he has, he has siblings that are, like, younger than him that he's close to and you know he's concerned about those relationships and it, it just makes me think think about like what does safety look like what does restorative justice look like um do we want to create space for the parents and the family to get better um, mm -hmm. and like what is like what does that look like how do we um because this is not just for Tyler, this is for our own families who are toxic and have, have done um, transphobic or homophobic things to us. And in a lot of cases still continue to do those things. Like, do we, do we disengage? How do we navigate relationships with other people that are more sympathetic and get it, but still have relationships with our abusers? Like it's just, it's, um, to me, it's not a clear-cut answer. And then we also have to factor in how lack of education and how poverty really goes hand-in-hand hand with homophobia and transphobia and all of that. And that plays a part um, in, in why people aren't accepted. I, I just feel like it's, you know, it's a symptom of a, a larger story. I hate that Tyler has to go through that. I hate that that situation is going to require a lifetime of therapy to like process the trauma of how that is now reshaped him and rewired him. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I just, I don't know, I just feel sad. I just, I just feel sad. One thing that I'm not going to say I'm glad that I saw, but one thing that um made me feel less alone is that like the LGBT, the black LGBTQ community 
I feel like a, a lot of us were able to like commiserate over it because I think it's oh, yeah. the silence and the isolation that really keep like the fact that everybody could just instantly say like bitch this is me like I went through this like this like this is me like it happens like we're not lying when we say that some of well, for some of us our first bullies are people in our family it's not people from the neighborhood or school sometimes your first bully is the person in your family that sees the queerness in you. Child, I'm a living witness, but I'm here to tell you that I do pray for healing for this family. Um, in that case, you know, God knows, and so for a lot of us that have grown up in these Black families, there wasn't a camera roll, right? Right. And we are, and, and, and when, when people around us sometimes say, oh, you have to love your family, Oh, there were years where I wasn't, where I had to, there were some years for me to process my childhood find, and, and to really be okay with just being in the world before I could really even address the issue with my parents. And there were a lot of people during those years of separation that were like, you shouldn't be estranged from your parents. Like at the end of the day, you only get one mom, you only get one dad, you only get one family. Like family is everything. No, they fucking not. If they're trying to beat your life away. Your whole essence, they are, you, they are not acting like family. Family is not just blood. And what I found problematic too is this notion that because somebody is blood, you are supposed to tolerate mistreatment. No. no, no one gets a motherfucking pass. If you don't get nothing else from my younger trans women out here, for any of us allies that are listening, or anybody under the sound of my voice, no one gets a motherfucking pass to humiliate, to dis- to disrespect me, to humiliate me, to make me feel less than, and to make me feel uncomfortable so you can feel comfortable. Nobody gets a pass. Nobody gets a pass to make me feel uncomfortable so you can feel comfortable. And white, black people are very comfortable telling white people that. Very comfortable saying, y'all ain't gonna make me feel the way as a black person, but then black people will enact that same horrible toxic control mechanism of uh, uh, um, of assimilation and respectability and put that on their children. So you as a black person aren't seen respectable and you as a black person aren't given the deference or respect that, uh, that you get in society and that and, and you somehow have a disconnect then you when you get with your children or the people that you're in care of and you become massive because that's ultimately what that showed to me. And that's what I experience, and what a lot of people experience. It's our parents' desire to control us because they don't have control in their own lives and they want to exact control over the thing they brought in the world. That whole, I brought you in the world and I can take you out. Why would you tell no, a child? No, sis, that's actually a crime, bitch. You'll actually go to Why jail. Would you tell a child that. Why would you make a terroristic threat on my life? What did I? What could? What could I have possibly done for you to let me know that you would murder me? That's what we got to unpack, black people. It's common for us to threaten to murder our children. So then, getting beat by your parent in the face doesn't seem like a bad thing. So then, when I'm telling my narrative, there are people that will immediately when when I would when I would be telling my narrative back when I didn't have the greatest relationship. There are people that will be immediately, even queer people that will be immediately trying to defend my parents. Well, you know there is no rule book. Well, you know, they didn't know what they, they were probably trying to do the best that they can. You should call your mom. You should call your dad. No. No. No, bitch. But you don't realize that I 
per, I don't have the capacity mentally to be around certain things that that won't that won't trigger me to flip the fuck out. Now, see, let's be keep it real. I dealt with rage for a very long time. Talked about it previously. I dealt with rage for a very long time. I because it because I felt like. As a child, because I was hopeless and helpless and I didn't understand and it just seemed like there was never a let up. From the moment I opened my eyes to the point I put my foot down on the bed, if I didn't completely fit a mold that somebody dreamed that they would have for me, I was getting my ass beat. So I didn't have this um, sense of self that wasn't rooted in, a, in approval, right? Like I, I was living for other people's approval. And because of that, as an adult, what did that lead me into? Abusive relationships. One that went, it just went from one type of abuse to another. I was getting my ass beat and, and, and I had a rage in me and I was lashing out at the world. I, I very much went through that in my early 20s in particular because I had not yet been, the, I didn't know what life was like without physical violence in it. That's how bad it can be when you're being beat for being yourself. You don't even know a world where that's not uncommon to get busted in the mouth for standing wrong, busting them out, putting hand, your hand on your lip, being called a faggot because you did something and you know, whatever, I, I've been there. And you never get over that. It never gets better. I can never look at my childhood with the fondness and the warmth that a lot of people have. Cause it's always tainted with the reality that in spite of all those beautiful events, I was probably, I probably had gotten my ass beat at least five or six times that week just for existing. And that's real. So shout out to Tyler. Shout out to all of the trans kids everywhere. Shout out to everybody under the sound of my voice that has experienced that. I know you can relate. And I pray, and it is my, my fervent and prayer that you will embrace the, the truth that you do not have to tolerate abuse. You will embrace that your parents were fucking wrong. That there's that there is no rule book to parenting. But even in the in the in the most commonly held standards and practices, beating your child daily is not going to be the healthiest way to raise a stable child, an emotionally matured, stable child. And even before, even while dealing with my transness, I had to also process this anxiety that I couldn't put my hands on. Why am I panicking all the time? Why am I always? depressed what is this sadness this this grayness this gray cat cast that's over my life that's what you should always tell people you ever i was living life in sepia tone for so long there were pretty days but it was always a, a shadow over them because i had this emotional pain from being abused and i'm trying to tell you it is not fucking okay and we got to do better black people what are your thoughts sis um no just the um going back to your whole thing you have to expect uh, accept your parents when i get to a place where i'm able to take care of myself and pay my own bills the way that i see it is we are adults that we're either going to choose to be in relationship with each other or we're not and if you're going to be in relationship with me there are just certain boundaries that um, can't be crossed. Uh, and I have to be, I have to be respected. And if I can't get that respect, that baseline respect, then I'm not going to be in a relationship with you because I'm just not going to have this um, blind loyalty to you because we have a blood relationship. For me, that's just not enough. It's not enough. 
it's not enough. It never was enough. And I need more. I need more. So yeah, my and also my only concern, I'm praying for Tyler. That's the only person that I'm I'm really concerned about. That's the only person that gets my prayers. I hope that Tyler gets everything he needs to um, really have the space to unpack the trauma and have the space to be loved and to feel joy, especially as a child, especially as a Black queer child. Um, and his healing for his family, to me, is second, secondary and it's incidental. Um, you know, I, I want to be the bigger person to say, you know, not say to kick rocks or fuck them. But the truth is, he's going to be connected to them. And I just hope that uh, he's able to get what he needs, despite whatever the connection may look like. But um, God bless him. And I don't know, this, this story makes me want to... Um, it makes me want to be a parent even more, especially to queer kids, just so that I can give them that um, unconditional love and, you know, raise them up and just, you know, really break the game down for them. And just, you know, th this this story really makes me, it really, and I'm praying that um, when their time is right and when I get my life set up to really um, do that, that um the you know the right child to come into my life or I have the right relationship with the like despite whether the child is queer or not I'm still gonna love the child or and I'm still gonna raise the child but if the child is queer um we'll just even have even more of a connection because I really do believe that if you're a parent you having a, a LGBTQ child it's really a gift it's a gift and I wish more I wish more people would just accept that and just embrace it that having an LGBTQ child is a fucking gift. And you have to you have to be you have to be you have to treat these you have to treat kids, these kids with care. On the flip side of this too, um, is the is Zaya Wade and her father. So Dwayne Wade did an interview recently where he um, was asked, I wanna say if it wasn't Diane Sawyer, it was a it was one of those interviews. Like it was it was one of those big interviews, and he was asked. Oh, with um, Oprah. It was Oprah. Mm -hmm. It was Oprah, and he was asked questions about how he is raising this child, and he said that Zaya knew at three. I knew at four, so I could relate. But he was also talking about how he had to confront. The, the the duality of him being a man that's in the locker room with these other men and he's saying the same things that they're saying about hell nah, this and then the third and making these comments that are transphobic and homophobic with his, his people um, that his colleagues as athletes. But then he was having to come home and look this queer child in the face and tell this child, I love you and I'm not gonna let nobody hurt you and I, you know, you my child and ain't nobody gonna put their hands on you. And then you realized as a parent, and I think he had that moment where he realized he had to, one of these people had to die. The man that's trying to front for his friends and has these, trying to uphold his standard of what maleness is and trying to hold uphold his toxic ideals that come along with it. Or is he gonna be a father first and a loving father to his daughter? who is not changing 
as the years go on is getting stronger. So he had to get to that place. And so he talked a little bit about what I thought was powerful about that interview is that was a part of his journey behind the scenes to being the man that he is today that we see that's on TV, you know, or, or, and able to look his, have those beautiful photos of him looking her lovingly in the face and her gazing back at him and all those things that you see now. And I love that there being an example of a parenting style that is a loving, caring, affirming parenting style so that black parents can see that being a black parent doesn't mean that you have to be that nigga especially a black man you don't you can still be a good black man and a dad and have a queer kid and love on them and celebrate them and be proud of them and still be the man the same man that you were before now you may not have as many friends right you may not have as many niggas at a boy in you like like how everybody loved Dwayne Wade when he was a for his athleticism, but now every time his name is brought up, everybody got opinions by his motherfucking child because they think he should be like the Tyler's parents. That's what people would expect of him. And it's sick that black people think that that is healthy parenting, what Tyler was doing, but would look at Dwayne Wade and say, hell no, nah, you trying to corrupt your child. Baby, listen, no amount of beating will take it out of him. Dwayne Wade is doing an exam using it is, is living a life that I feel is a possibility model for people with trans kids. And I'm glad that Oprah is allowing him to have that platform to be able to tell that truth also of how it was difficult for him, but ultimately he prioritized his child over all the bullshit. And a lot of us would be would have had different lives and maybe wouldn't have had to spend so much money on therapy if our parents loved us. Mm -hmm more than they cared about what other people thought. No shade. Our parents owe us for therapy, bitch. I want to get paid back. Right? For my shit. Because you did this. Girl. No, but seeing Zaya's relationship with, uh, with Dwayne is so healing for me. Like, even if I can't feel it, it makes me feel good to see that it exists. And for now, that's just going to have to be enough for me, you know? Yeah. Um, have to be and true forgiveness is giving up the giving. Get, I believe that true forgiveness is giving up the hope that things could have been different. So sometimes forgiving your parents doesn't mean that you have to accept all of their bullshit or allow them back in your life. But I do believe that part of forgiveness is accepting that where you are right now is a sum of your total experiences, including those experiences for me that were my young, formative adult male, I mean, my formative male child experiences and how they affect me now as a woman and how I show up in the world. And giving up the hope that things could have been different means not looking at myself and my childhood as something that is to be judged, but rather something to say that I triumphed over and something that I think helped define my boundaries now. And I, I, and so all of it, the sum total of my life experiences make up who I am. And I do believe that I've been able to forgive my parents because I know that things is giving up the hope that things could have been different, but also setting extremely firm boundaries and never wavering. And that is how, for me as an adult, I have been able to earn my father and my mother and my father, larger extended families, respect. What were your thoughts? Um, no, I think, I think um, I said I, all I needed to say was I as a situation Y'all already know I love to that little girl. Um, she is the one 
She is everything. I also love for Kabia too. She is a and shout out to her for Pride Month. Um, 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 Zaya, didn't she get a, an, an ad for Pride Month? She's a she's a spokesperson for some. I think it's the Gap, or I'm not sure what it is, but she's their Pride spokesmodel. And her and Gabrielle Union had an ad that they did together. So I thought that was odd. Well, work work for them. Y'all y'all already know how I feel about Zaya. I will fuck any of y'all bitches up if y'all fuck with Zaya. That's that's my girl. That's my sis. I live for her and keep your mouth off for uh, my sister. Um, so I guess going into our last topic, and we talked about this on the episode we recorded last week um, because Chasing LA just came off of its Chasing LA just came off of its season finale and. There have been it's 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 been a lackluster season um, for many reasons, but we don't have to get into it right now. But something that was really irking me last week is just, and not just with Chasing LA or the the Chasing Reality series, but just with the Black LGBTQ web reality series in general. Just like the level and the amount of transphobia that is shown on these shows and like the tropes. It all I want to say is just like just moving forward. I just don't think we can have transphobia as a storyline. I just don't. I just don't think it serves anything. And if we and if the goal is to um, have a representation of the culture and to show the culture at its best, even with the the shenanigans and the foolishness i really don't think we need the highlight of the show doesn't need to be somebody going off in this rage and then the first thing that they can pull for is calling somebody a man um and this is definitely in reference to specifically the whole season of chasing la it was kind of unbearable to watch because the transphobia was just so blatant um throughout the whole season and then on our final episode, there was this big altercation where, and usually the how the flavor that the transphobia comes on, on the show is there's always the kind of feminine gay men that is like the most transphobic to the trans woman on the show and is the first one to call somebody manly and to call somebody a man. And then in, in the particular episode, when one of the trans women, Alicia, stood up for another trans woman who was minding her business, eating her plate of food, and she ended up pulling out a knife, giving like, bitch, you're not, which she should have done. It was real women don't pull out knives, real women don't fight back, y'all are acting manly, and it's just like, in the face of blatant transphobia, y'all are calling this trans woman a man because she's defending another trans woman for from imminent violence. And it's just like to the black, the cis black gay men, just because you might be a little bit feminine or you're a little bit cunty, you too can still hold misogyny. You still you too can still hold sexism. And I just really need them to work through their transphobia. And and then they do what white people do. Well, you know, I'm not transphobic and I don't, it's just like I or you or because it's not these cumulative incidents of them being transphobic, they don't think they're transphobic. And it's just like, it doesn't need to be a whole bunch of incidents. It could be this one time thing. Let's flip it. If we were, if we were as black people, it don't take but one time for you to hear someone call you, call you a dirty nigga 
before you realize that they don't like you. Does that make sense? And or not even a, a, a dirty nigga, just an engaged in a microaggression. Right, right, right. But I'm saying even in the direct aggressions, because there's some people that will do direct aggression and then will try to act like that, like in that particular moment, you about to attack this trans woman. You about to like literally attack her and this other girl had to jump in, you said. So I guess for me, it's like that's direct imminent violence. And like, I don't need to see several instances of you trying to attack several trans women for me to think, oh, you might have a fucking problem putting your hands on us. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, I don't need 12 instances. I just need... I really, right, it's like, sir, you're being transphobic and you... And because we live in the the Instagram, social media thing, as long as people have followers, they feel like they can't be held accountable and all. But like at the end of the day, there there is video and there will be perpetual video footage of you being transphobic on camera and people will see it. So you acting defensive and acting like it's not real. It's just like, just because you're denying it doesn't mean that I'm not going to think it's transphobic and other people aren't going to think it's And like you said earlier, transphobia should no longer be the plot. Like, right. It's particularly in queer cinema and queer art. Like we have to get to that place where we draw the line at what we are going to say is the latest content. Because now it's more transphobia now it's more transphobia on our shit than the suspect shit. Exactly. And then we're monetizing it. So let's let's keep it gangster. We're actually editing and picking footage and we're choosing to leave certain themes in for what they're gonna give. And then we're catching that um we're catching that additional monetization because we know it's gonna get clicks. And that has to change. And that's not indicative to any particular show. Um but I, anytime there's an episode where there's a queer person, the Sydney Star episodes on Love and Hip Hop, the like, there, this is a common thread where in order the, 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 the transphobia episodes are going to get the most clicks. You actually, so it, in a weird way, you're incentivizing people to continue this behavior because I'm going to get more airtime. My storyline will be secure. Does that make sense? There right. are people on Love and Hip Hop whose whole storyline was was arguing with Sydney Star about her womanhood and trying to teach her how to be a woman. This grown the fuck ass woman trying to teach her how to be a woman, and she's done it, and she's grown herself. And that, but but again, transphobia is a plot line that works, and people will keep perpetuating. So we gotta, we got, we have to push back on that too as a community. You know, I'm not against the girls on these shows staging a walkout if they need to. Like, let, let's show these people that we're not going to tolerate that. And, I, you know, that's not to any particular show. So I'm not throwing heat at nobody. I'm definitely not going to single out queer cinema more than I would anybody else, if that makes sense. Or queer um, queer content providers more than I would anybody else. But I'm going to call everybody out the same. And that's right. That's and, like, mean. real allyship means giving something up. So, so. At some point, you're going to have to give up the transphobia in the show. And if your show is really that good, it can be good without somebody calling one of the girls a man. Like, it, it should be, like, you should be able to give up that clickbait and still have a hot show. Exactly. Exactly. Girl. So, I, yeah, I don't think we have any more um, topics. I feel like 
we talked about oh before we get out of here i'm gonna give a shout out to ankles barbershop in brooklyn i think we shouted them out on the last episode we recorded but i want to give a shout out to them again it's a queer owned barbershop that's opening in brooklyn um they have an instagram page and that's ankles e-n-k-e-l um barbershop for queer folks to go into a space and get your hair cut in a safe environment I can't wait to go to New York um, to go there and get my hair cut because me, I don't go into this, um, straight man spaces because I don't trust them. I only go, I only, I only look, get my hair cut by queer folk, black queer folks, or black cis women. That's you know, that's where I choose to spend my money. Those are the spaces that I choose to be in because one, I'm not going, I'm not going to perform my my cuntness. No, like I want to be able to walk into the space, be me, be service, and not be disrespected because I'm trans and or a woman. And so I think um, we need more of these spaces. I'm really excited. I hope we have more um, black queer owned hair. Sp- barbershops hair salon because we we need think about how many girls feel like they have to do their hair on themselves or they don't do their hair they just buy wigs um buy wigs and throw on wigs because they're scared to go in the shop for fear of facing discrimination i think that's very real in our community oh yeah i have several girlfriends that have beautiful hair that they shave bald-headed to put wigs on because they don't want to deal with their hair because they don't want to be in a shop because they don't want to deal with people in their hair. Yeah, the idea of the vulnerability also of a trans woman coming out of her wig and trying to get her hair styled or maintained, unless her hairline isn't something that is the most soft or what people would consider, you know, um, um, a feminine hairline. Now they're ashamed to go someplace, and it just the hair. Now you just want to shave all of your hair off, even though you have beautiful hair because you don't have a hairline that you like because you're scared of going somewhere and showing that hairline to people and then they reading you. And so that's really real too. I know a lot of girlfriends that will, that don't, I, God bless the dead, I can see she's not here. I can talk, I can say what I got to say. I, my, I, I, my trans mother would never even take her hair. I, no lie. I don't think I've ever seen in my entire life seen her real hair, her scalp. She would take her wig off in the bathroom in secret. Like it was that important that she not show her hair in public to people. And she would only go get her hair done by a queer woman. And she would make the woman do her hair like the, they, she would make her the woman do her hair when she would go to the salon. The woman would take her into the bathroom to take her weave down. Because mm. she was like, no one can see me like this. Because that's how upset she, how in fear she was in this, this queer woman in this, non-queer salon you see what i'm saying she's right. like i don't want to be so i love what you mentioned about the queer space and the and the space designed to protect lgbt folks and let you know for us by us type of situation because we need that because i think i, I only think about how so many other so many people would take better care of their hair if they could go someplace and know it would never be no shade right right no, I, I I can't lie, girl. It took me a long time to um, get to a place where I um, got my hair done in the salon because I had that fear too. Like, bitch, what if I take my weave out and somebody clocked me with my regular hair? And it, bitch, it took me years to get to that point where I felt comfortable to do that. Same. I have beautiful hair that can grow very long, and I 
would never wear it in public. Never ever ever wear it in public because I was I was just, I thought that I, I didn't think that it was continent. I didn't think that my right. hair could make me as passable. Brianna has gorgeous hair as well, and, and so it's it's funny because I can relate to this. Like we just it it, it it really takes a psychological process for me to embrace my natural bitch. Even my afro or my natural hairstyle, I would never have done this even five, 10 years ago, probably but 10 years ago, I probably would have never done this because shit, who's in the clock me and I'm gonna walk around here looking like a little boy. That's how I would feel. So yeah, these queer spaces is necessary, honey. And if I live, and if I ever go to New York and I need me to get a look, get my hair done, that's where I'm gonna go. Right. But this is our episode. Well, this is part two of our episode. We hope y'all enjoy this treat of having two episodes to listen to. Make sure that you, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, that you rate us five stars and you leave a review. Also, make sure you are going to our Patreon to watch our content on there. Also, make sure you're reading Wild Sea by Octavia E. Butler. I actually just started it today. Um, that will be on. Oh, no, we don't talk about it. I'm still on chapter one, but I'm, I'm going to get through it. But oh, Anyangu was still in Africa at that point. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, make sure y'all read. We will be having our book, our book club live on July the 10th at 8 p.m. So make sure y'all are part of that. I'm just skimming it, girl. I, I'm just skimming it. I really have read this book like 10, 12 times. I read it for fun all the time. I, I can't wait till you get farther in it. I yes. Wait. No, I'm I'm starting. Now that work has calmed down or I'm about to go on my vacation, I'm planning to read it um, once I get to New York. So we'll see. But thank y'all for supporting with us. Thank y'all for rocking with us. We got so many fun things coming down the pipeline and we can't wait to share them with y'all. But sis, take on us on us about tongue tied. Take us on up out of here, bitch. Well, 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 one and all family, friends, loved ones, supporters, and those of us and those people that are under the sound of our voice that just are interested in hearing good conversation. We thank you for another episode. Shout out to all of our patrons and all of our supporters on all of the social media platforms. Shout out to our, our people on YouTube. We really appreciate you. Um, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you will do and for sticking with us, y'all. This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown the Black Trans Woman Talk. And I am one of your co-hosts, Valina. And I am Aeon. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. And don't forget to become a patron on the Box Number 512 Patreon page, where we have all new exclusive content. And also, don't forget to follow us on our social media, on our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook pages. And also, become a subscriber on our YouTube page. Until next time, bye. Bye.